0: In this episode, we talked to veteran game developer Robert Huss of Counterclockwork Games. Then we talked to two dudes who are just trying to break into the business, David and Michael Matlock, who talk about their new game Congress, the board game. Roll the dice. Hey nerds! It's Peaks of Cascadia. Peaks of Cascadia. Peaks of Cascadia.
1: There will definitely be some bets. That's probably our best. Lots That's our best, our best
0: feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This episode has been brought to you by Vern and Wells an all-inclusive, members-only social club for geek professionals in the style of Victorian parlors of old, a space for this new breed of geek. Visit us at www.vnw.club. Vernon and Wells, Imperium and Imperio. Now to our show. Hey, geeks! This is Blue Samurai here, and welcome to Geeks of Cascadia. It's Episode 8! Yay! And with me is our host, my fellow host... Costosaurus, and then also with us is... Paul. Paul, Joe, mm-hmm. how's it going? It's good. It's good. And are we all caught up on Game of Thrones?
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, at, except for that I didn't watch it last night. Ex- now,
0: at this particular time when we're recording it, I think we're at episode three of Game of Thrones, but yes. Paul's only seen two. Okay,
1: let me tell you what happened. I fell asleep a half hour before it started. I woke up in like the last five minutes... And I'm scrambling to find a <laughs> remote control so I can change the <laughs> channel because <laughs> I don't want to see the very end of the show. Oh yeah, that sucks. Because I saw Tyrion. It's like, no, I don't know what's going on. Go away.
0: Oh, well, that's good. You're going to see it tonight, though. I'm going to watch it. You're going to love it. Then we yes. can maybe we can talk about it next week or something like that. Sure. We'll do the next podcast, the next two, episodes. the next two, the next two episodes. Yes. <laughs> But we got some. We got a great show for you today. Uh, Paul, what's on the docket for
1: our interviews? We have the makers of the board game Congress, oh. uh, David and Michael Matlock. The Matlock brothers. Yes. All right. They also solve okay. mysteries. Because their last name is Matlock. Yes, I'm sure they've never heard that <laughs> joke right. before. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. And we have Robert Huss, who is a game designer of Shadow Over Westminster. Yes. That is nope. um, the Abbey, not the dog show.
0: Correct. <laughs> All right. Good. And
1: do we That'd have be a weird thing? game, by I the way? I think, think that's it. Yeah, That'd That, be that might game. be an interesting game, Shadow Over Westminster The be, Dog Show. That'll be. be the expansion. Yeah. Where there's That'd a little be. Pekinese who is an evil genius trying to take over the dog I like show.
0: It, I like it. I like Copyright it. games of Ke- Geeks of Cascadia. So, <laughs> um, so is Cat that's, right. <laughs> that's Yes. Right. So, I do want to let the listeners know that we have a new segment coming up. Yes, uh, it'll be in the a little bit in the future. future. Maybe it's the next episode. I don't know, but it's called "Get to Know Your Game Store." Mm-hmm. That sounds great, Steve. It, Tell us about that. Well, it's great because <laughs> we interview game store owners, and we'll try to go to different game stores. And by the way, listeners, and if you're a game store owner or you hang out at a game store. Email us, tell us, hey, we, we we want you to come to our game yeah. store and we do an interview. That. We would love to do that.
2: Yeah, or we would just simply love to be mentioned on the show for Get to Know a Game Store. Yes.
1: And we would really just love some, any sort of human interaction at all, living in our bubble here. Yeah. Yes. Send us an email, geeksofcascadia at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we
0: also have Twitter, which Twitters. is at geeksofcascadia, I believe. Yes and we have our Facebooks and we our also have
1: Instagrams Facebook. which we are called um, would you believe Geeks of Cascadia
0: I did not know that wow yes. how'd you swing
1: that oh I'm, I'm quick I didn't even know wow. we had Instagram but oh yeah oh.
2: wow sounds
0: quick it's, pretty Is good. That, it's, a,
1: it's a picture thing
0: yeah I think my kids use it <laughs> um, but I don't um, Joe you use it right you're nope. a millennial. The reason you're a connection I connection to the to the future. Um, I pretty of this much world.
2: I pretty much only mm-hmm. use Twitter. I used Facebook for a while, but I stopped using it because everybody was like, "I'm going to post this thing that's like three pages long," and I didn't want to read all the crap people put on there. So <laughs> I actually ended up doing Twitter, where now you're limited to the crap you want to say. So you got to be direct and clear, or pfft. so I can just scroll through it that way. However, mm-hmm. Facebook works really well as an address book for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can contact. I had a cousin that was over, like, uh, in the Middle East during um, when she was stationed over there. And I was mm-hmm. able to contact her and not rack up a huge phone bill. So that was
0: cool. cool. Well, the thing is, we are out there. I hope, and we're also on Google Play, SoundCloud, um, iTunes, iTunes, yes, and hopefully Stitcher,
1: Stitcher soon. Working on that tomorrow. I'm sorry. If you don't do it, you are fired. And there's a new thing called Pod Chaser, which sounds really cool, and it's in beta, and mm-hmm. we are on that. Ooh. See, where are, we? we're growing. Fancy. We are
0: growing. Yeah. This is fantastic. Um, also, listeners, if you'd like to meet us in person, we will be at Dragonflight, mm-hmm. and we will be at OrcaCon as well. Uh-huh. And Steve's home address is three 304- zero. And also, we will be at GenCon. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> where well, you can murder me there. <laughs> <laughs> if you're stalking us. All right, um, all right, guys. So, anything else? Con use, con use, con use. Let's go with old uh, Dragonflight.
2: Yep. So we have Dragonflight. It is going to be the thirty eighth Dragonflight coming up. That's August twenty mm-hmm. fifth through twenty seventh. So that'll be a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's in Bellevue, Washington, at the Bellevue Hilton. And so, it looks like tickets are still on sale for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a pretty big con. I've been there the last few years, and it's been um, lots of just lots of open gaming sellers. Um, yeah, just really cool stuff there. I mean, there's all types of other stuff that I'm not as familiar with, but mm-hmm. it's yeah. It's they a
1: they have
0: con. a giant bar. They do, and we have uh, play swing games around it. In fact, it's traditional I don't for swing. us to play a <laughs> game at <that> there. <laughs> <ever. laughs> yeah. Yes. Nice anyway, uh, with that, we also have another con <laughs> <laughs> coming up. Perhaps you've heard of it.
1: Orcacon. Orcacon. It's coming up this um, January, the 2018. Yes we always we would say we, we, Orcacon people talk about our, our year begins and it ends with mm-hmm. Orcacon. So mm-hmm. we always talk about it in the wrong year. Um, we do. So it's upcoming next year Orcacon. Yes. And um, book your rooms or rooms available, get your badge now. It's early bird pricing. Totally. Now's right. the time to act.
2: Yep, and the great thing with Orcahan is because of the area that we're in, we have lots of people that work for like aerospace companies, uh, Boeing that has, you know, really long, you know, swing shifts, night shifts. Uh, the great thing is we'll also have gaming overnight that'll be open, right. and we're still, I mean, we're, you know, the hotel's still getting. You know, remodel everything. But what's great is you could, if you worked at one of those places, you could get off work at eleven o'clock and come play till you know totally. three or four o'clock, right. which is, I think, a really, really cool thing. Or get a hotel there and play until you literally can barely walk to your room and yeah.
0: pass out. And if you're listening there, if you've never been to a convention, you should go to a convention. Um, you, it's fantastic. You get to know other people, build relationships, play a lot of games. I highly recommend it Yes, and mm-hmm.
1: especially OrcaCon we, we are all about being inclusive to yep. new mm-hmm. gamers um, So it's a great place to start
0: Yeah right. And so with that I think we should go into our interview Excellent um, Who should
1: we do uh, first? Probably for it? I think we should do Robert Let's do Robert Huss first
0: Yeah, because we interviewed him a while ago I feel like So, Robert, you are up So let's hear what he has to say This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show.
1: Hey, nerds. We are here at Vernon Wells, and we're talking to our friend Robert Huss of Counterclockwork Games. How's it going, Robert?
3: Hey, it's going great. It's a pleasure to be here. Cool. So what's going on, Robert? Well, uh, it's been a lot of the same recently. Mm-hmm. My big game, The Shadow for Westminster, has been the one that I've been going around to conventions, right. showing off. Uh, that's always a lot of fun. Doing conventions is probably one of my favorite parts of being a game designer. I love getting out there, having people play, getting to see what they're doing with my designs. And then I've got a, a couple more that are in the works that are hopefully going to be coming out toward the end of this year or early next year. And Just having fun as a game designer.
0: And the first, the first game you did put out was Shadow. The
3: first one I put out, there was a small run with my game Alien Labyrinth. Oh, okay. Which is actually being reworked and is looking for a relaunch coming up pretty soon here as well. Nice. Oh, good.
1: I was looking at that. It looks looks cool.
3: It's fun. It's it's It was actually... Des- I originally designed it to be part of a... There was a Game Crafter challenge that was going on. Okay. And they were looking for something where the board either was different every time you played or was randomized in uh-huh. some way. And so I came up with this, this design of a spaceship where... All of the rooms had a limited number of doors, but they could all be rotated okay. so you, you change the paths through the ship as you go and you're kind of running through the ship exploring trying to find these items and selling them off trying to be the first one that goes home. And I did a small print front of that and took it to some local conventions and people just loved it yeah and I loved showing it off and that's really the game that got me into game design. so
0: cool. you did not you didn't kickstart that one. No, so, I didn't okay. kickstart that one Wow that's that's pretty impressive. you, you start the old-fashioned way. Wow. Yeah. That, that, uh, luckily, right.
3: with the Game Crafter being a print-on-demand, and they were, they were, I think they were running an Indiegogo campaign at the time where I backed them and it got me where I could get the best bulk price no matter how many copies I ordered, so mm-hmm. I only had to go in for 100 copies. Well, I could have gone for as many as I wanted, but I decided to go for 100, and that gave me enough to go do a couple conventions. I... As I was showing off at the first one I went to, I met the people who run the game room at San Diego mm-hmm. Comic Con. They invited me to go in there. Oh, okay. I did, it just kept making connections and people kept loving it and I really loved showing it off. So that it's, I decided
0: it was something to pursue. You know, part of the game development is kinda a little bit of shoe leather, right? Just going out there, working it, there being a salesman. Something. There is a
3: lot of that. That's, As I said, though, that is one of the things that I love is being at conventions and showing people the game. That's, that's one of my favorite parts. Well,
0: and a lot of people need to know the backgrounds of uh, our game developers. They didn't just all of a sudden, now they're this world famous game developer, which we're going to put you in that category. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a stretch, but I'll go. take it. Um, so tell us about your background. How did you get to where you're at?
3: Uh, well, as far as game design goes, I've been designing games for as long as I can remember. Uh, when I was a little kid, I'm sure they weren't very good games, but mm-hmm. I was always, I, graph paper was my best friend, I'd, I'd draw maps or mm-hmm. make little cities and come up with games that people were playing, and that continued throughout all my life. Uh, I'm, as I'm
0: assuming that you loved playing, like, RPGs maybe back in the day oh, when yeah, you were younger. Definitely. Hey, well, what was your favorite?
3: Oh, uh, it's hard to say. I grew up in a small town, so we, we didn't, I didn't have, it was always my small group of friends and we had mm-hmm. access to whatever we found. Uh, we got a couple D and D books back in the day. And so okay. that was one that we jumped into early on because it was what we had. But then we did a lot of just free form systems that we'd make up on our own to play.
0: Oh, cool. All right.
3: Um, and then, uh, when I a few years back, I was teaching uh, English in Japan. I was actually working at a preschool in Japan as a teacher. Nice. Wow. Uh-huh. And uh, trying to teach English to kids, one of the ways that they really get engaged with it is if they can play a game. So I would make a lot of, usually knockoff of, of popular games, I'd make them like a version of Guess Who or mm-hmm. a version of Chutes and Ladders, but things that that worked in English skills so that they got to play them and test them. And I'd make, make a couple of designs of my own and they enjoyed them and they were pretty simple systems Mm -hmm. but while I was making those I'd end up with ideas for these other games that were a bit more fun something more my style and so I kind of kept them in the back of my head and didn't pursue them much until coming back to the U.S. Uh, I have more friends here who are who are board game enthusiasts and really into that and so I was trying to design some games and I ran across some sites where I could get things published in in a more professional manner without having to spend thousands of dollars And that was with Alien Labyrinth, and I just dove right in, and I've been having fun since then.
0: Wow. So uh, how did you transition to the next game after that?
3: Um, While I was actually showing that one off, I had the Shadow for Westminster in development. Uh, It didn't look like it does now, but it 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 worked pretty much the same, and the theme was all designed. While I was showing it at that first convention I was at, it was Kingdom Con down in San Diego, uh, I had it sitting on a back shelf and some people came up and asked to play it but I didn't have a rule book or anything at the time so I told them after the floor closes we could sit down and I'd teach it to them so we sat and we played and it's a cooperative game where we we're, were trying to prevent the end of the world from happening and we mm. just got we got crushed <laughs> we were done and I was like oh well there you go, that was the game right. and they said, well you can't put it away, we need to play again, we need to win oh, oh. okay. well okay sure, we can set it up, we can play again we won that time, and then they took the game the next day. They asked, because they knew the rules, could they teach it to their friends and play? And they just kept taking it around and teaching other people wow. and playing with it all weekend. Okay, that's and was awesome. Like, oh, this seems to be pretty, people seem to like this. And right around that time, uh, Cards Against Humanity started this uh, game design competition called the Tabletop Deathmatch. Um, mm-hmm. And this, this was the first year of it, and they put a call out for, for game designs, and I decided, well, what the heck, I should at least submit. I waited until... I, I, I didn't actually have a submission put together until I think 11 p.m. the night of the deadline. I, oh. I put it in real quick. I had the ideas in my head, but I hadn't typed them up and put them in, so I send it in. I give them a link to a website where they can see the pictures and a mm-hmm. video and stuff, and then the next day I got the website and put up the pictures so that if they clicked on it, they'd actually have something to go see. <laughs> Uh, and I was chosen, that game was picked up as one of the finalists, so 16 of us went and showed it to a a bunch of gaming bigwigs in, at Gen Con. Wow, this is like Shark Tank. (laughs) Yeah, basically, it was like Shark Tank. They, they were still kind of learning, figuring out what they were doing Uh that first year, so uh, it was a lot of on the fly, okay, you're gonna have a 10 minute pitch in front of Uh these people and then they're gonna play your game, okay, they're not gonna get time to play your game, so it's all about the pitch. And as I was sitting outside the room waiting to go in, they let me know, okay, you ready for your five-minute pitch? And I'm like, I thought it was ten minutes. Oh, we don't have enough time for that. Five minutes now. Oh, oh okay. Okay, let, did me, I cut out? Yeah, right. let me throw out half of what I was planning to say but not lose anything. But that was a great experience and mm-hmm. made more connections, got to know a lot of people. And I think I think that's really what's kept me in was... Things like that that made those connections that that got me to find other game designers because I got to meet and hang out with all the other sure. people who were in the, the competition, and the community
0: really. The community really holds me in. That's that's one of the yeah. best parts. A lot of people think that this is all you do. A lot of game developers actually have second jobs. Um, so how do you do? You, what do you do besides game development? And uh, how? I mean, how much time do you have to put into this? I and sometimes would, your own money, right?
3: Yeah, I would. I would love if this could be the thing that I was doing all the time. But as it is, it's a hobby where I'm usually breaking even, which is pretty good. I know a lot of people who don't quite make it that far. Um, but uh, full time, I actually, after coming back from Japan, I went back to school. So my wife was working, paying the bills, while I was going back to school, and I got my uh, teaching certificate. So then we moved up here to Washington, and now I'm teaching fourth grade, so that's my day job. And I
0: have to All say, right. as, this was my first year as a fourth grade teacher, and things went really well. Well, you're sitting right next to Casa Source here, who's also a first-year teacher, right? No. No? Second year, <laughs> Second year yeah. I teach okay. first grade. Oh, great. But first year, first year at a public school that you're in, Second right? year? Second right? year. Second year public Last year was my first Oh, year. wow. this times fly. Wow. wow. Holy cow. I did find yeah. out that a
3: first-year teacher does not have much in the way of free time, so no. <laughs> game development no. definitely slowed down. Uh, However, also these found out. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> However, it does give me a break in the summer. So mm-hmm. now I've picked everything back up, and I'm trying to run through and, and get get some of my designs pushed along and ready to go before school starts up again. Nice,
2: <laughs> right. and um, that's yeah, that's awesome. That's really all I was going to start asking questions of my work. i'll do that end. no i can i can do that off the mic so i'm not like what district what school like i can <laughs> do that off the mic but um but that's really awesome and so yeah the summer's can be really helpful with that and just it's because i mean even my second year teaching i get it it's like my like, gosh i've been going in at seven and coming out at seven and then i'm like mm-hmm. i go home and i actually try to give some quality time to my wife who that's her primary love language is quality time and then i'm like all right time to go to bed
1: yeah,
3: yeah. T- time just flies by. Mm-hmm.
1: So what's the elevator pitch for um, Shadow over Westminster?
3: Uh, for that one, you're a group of secret agents like the Knights Templar, the Illuminati. You, you're, you've come together because you know that there's these signs that the end of the world is coming, but you don't know exactly what it is. So first half of the game, you're trying to get to flip that card over, figure out what you're up against. Okay. Second half, you're trying to stop it. Unless it turns out that one of you is actually trying to cause the end of the world. Then, then it's not completely cooperative. Ooh, like right. hidden, a hidden betrayer kind of style Excellent. game? Or... Yeah, there's 16 different end of the world scenarios. They each mm-hmm. change the way the game plays. Oh. Um, but four of them involve one of the agents mm-hmm. being a traitor. And they're custom, like the scenario is specifically built for that character. So it, it works with the way that your character would be playing oh, yeah. anyway so that they all play differently. Cool. And it, I like the system it uses a deck builder for your character management Okay. so it, it doesn't play so much like a deck builder except that your character is a deck of cards so as you're getting new investigation cards and artifacts and things to play it's building up your deck you know how powerful you are but so you're all purchasing cards or, or getting cards as you go. It's not, you don't already have a pre-made deck, right? Right. You just start with seven cards. Nice. Okay. But as the game goes on and you, you learn more about what's coming, your knowledge level goes up, so your hand size increases, so it, it opens up things you can do on your turn. And when that cataclysm flips over, it changes some of the rules of the game. So now you have to adapt and hope that the strategy that you were building toward in the first place is still a good one to mm-hmm. continue on for the second half of the game. And is that still available at retail, or is that going to go to second reprint, or...? Uh, It's still up for retail. You can find it at a lot of the local game stores. Um, Quite a few around the world. I wish Mm -hmm. it was in more, but we're getting there. And you can find it online at my website, ccwgames.com. What about
0: the first game that you put out? Can you still get that? Alien
3: Labyrinth. uh, You could have bought it up until uh, a little over a year ago. But uh, it's now looking at going into a second reprint, and it's possibly going to be published through another company. So it's not for sale in its current form, but hopefully it'll okay. be up again soon.
0: And back to the game development, did you have to come up? I mean, how did you get the artist? That's the most expensive part, right? It's certainly one of
3: them. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I got really lucky with The Shadow Over Westminster. I was browsing around on DeviantArt and looking because for the Cataclysm cards Mm -hmm. they're they're these end of the world scenarios I wanted this real nightmarish feel to them I I didn't Mm -hmm. want hyper realistic I wanted it to be a little fuzzy a little bit of a dream state these terrible things that could happen and I ran across this artist who goes by the name Bloody Horse and his style really fit with what I wanted and so I contacted him asked if he did commissions and Mm -hmm. he was all up for it he was excited to be working on a game working with him uh was was great i'd give him all the things that i wanted mm-hmm. I, I tried to give him a lot of liberty on how he wanted to to create them but he'd send them back any any changes or anything i wanted he was he was always more than happy to make them work and he set his prices and he worked for less than mm-hmm. i thought that he should be working for so i made sure to pay him more than he was asking and i awesome. i feel like i really wow. let down on so, that one just, it's
1: beautiful
0: yeah, it is. Yeah, I did you it. Did so did you spend this money up front then, right? I spent that up front out of my uh, pocket. So the, you were taking a little bit of a risk here, right? I mean,
3: Well, it's true, but so uh, that game I funded on Kickstarter. Okay. Um, I remember that, yeah. And I, I'm actually of the opinion that if you're looking to fund a game on Kickstarter, you have to be willing to put in your own money. If you're not right. willing to put your money in, why should anybody else be willing to put in money for your ideas? Mm-hmm. Right, okay. So... I knew that I had to put the money in up front, uh, but it worked out well, uh, did fine on the Kickstarter, got the money back, was able to get it uh, created, shipped out to everyone, um, and I'm pretty happy with how that process went. That was a few years ago, right. so
0: Kickstarter's changed a little bit since then. And I've seen you at ETX, obviously, and you, <laughs> you've said that, and I, by the way, I, other we might have the same group of friends, because you know the nerd tabletop gaming community is, is small. It's large, but small. Um you're you're everywhere at these uh, conventions uh I, selling your wares so you're probably gone a lot
3: right I love doing the conventions and I try to make it to as many as I can although my wife would tell you that I go to too many of them <laughs> and I would tell you that it's difficult to not make it to more of them um, they do take a lot of time, but uh, again, mm-hmm. just getting there, getting to play with people. Like, right. I'll sit there in my booth showing my game all day, mm-hmm. and then when it's done, mm-hmm. I usually wander over to the tabletop free play area, find
0: anybody playing it,
3: and see if I can help out. And I just jump right in. It,
0: I, right, and I, and I think the way you do it is pretty smart because you know you have to figure that into the cost of the game. Like, I got to travel, I got to do this and that. Mm-hmm. And I know you're with a group of friends that kind of travel together. I think that probably helps a lot. Yeah, I guess the advice probably to people listening, if you want to develop your own game, is network. Have friends that you can share a table. Networking really helps,
3: not only for having shared space, but for knowing about all of the opportunities. There's all kinds of things that are popping up all the time that I wouldn't have a clue about Mm -hmm. if there weren't Mm -hmm. other people who were sharing them with me or some of the Facebook groups I'm a part of. Uh, One of the groups that I love that I'm a part of is the Tabletop Co-op. It's a group of independent game designers, and we've all come together to form the group because these these big shows are a lot of fun, but affording a table at places like PAX right. or Gen Con is really expensive. And for those of us who are trying to sell one or two games, it's really, really foolish, I'd say, to think mm-hmm. that we're going to go in and come out ahead without, without all that big name recognition at, at the beginning. So we pool together. We go in as one company. We demo all the games from our catalog. We get to work mm-hmm. like a big publisher and still remain our smaller independent selves. That's smart. It's very smart. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and I've been hearing a lot about people just in regards of networking and working together is we're seeing more growth, especially in us being more or less in the central hub of tabletop gaming in the United States right now, <clears throat> even though all the other bigger conventions are elsewhere, you know, for the central location Aspect is, I mean, we're seeing more and more designers in games. I mean, I feel like every day um, that I'm on Kickstarter, and I'm I'm a huge um, I'm a huge fan of the Kicktrack mm-hmm. uh, website because I'm on there and I'm always like tabletop newest, and I like I hit that like four times a day to see every day the newest ones that are coming out and to track um, the numbers and where everything's going. And I'm seeing more and more that says like Seattle or. Um, mostly it says seattle but even i'll see some that's like everett like you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. they should have just put seattle but so it's so cool to see that and with that it's like i can see how you're all this networking even in this area um is really big i mean i've just gone to Mox once and i'm like i'm going through i'm like Crap, that's so and so from this game, or hey, that's this, the guy who runs the publishing company, or and just like seeing so many people just out and about, not even doing an event. So it's it's a good area for that networking for sure.
3: Yeah, and I would be lying if I said that that wasn't part of the reason why I decided to move up to the area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nice to get a change of scenery. It uh, it's a great area to come and teach. That's all true, but it's also a really great gaming community, and that was a big draw for me. I know I know people in the industry up here. I've met so many more people in the industry. Uh, I go to a playtest night that, that mm-hmm. has game designers that like take up half the shelf space in the stores and I get to, to prototype and playtest with them and that's helped me a lot so much good feedback I and direct because mm-hmm. they're, they're just like yep, this is it, take your lead. you're like, no, yeah, awesome, <laughs> take it yeah, and they can share the experiences they've had which, which are some of the same things that I'm doing and some things that I would like to move into and that's been absolutely invaluable so what's, uh,
0: what's the future like? what's, what's next for you?
3: Uh, The next big one that I'm working on, uh, it it recently just got a little bit of a change. Uh, It was going by the name The Last Bastion, but I think I'm going for more of a Defenders Across Time and Space. It's a simulated real-time cooperative game where... Uh, there's like a wall that you're trying to defend against the oncoming horde. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't work as much like a tower defense though, uh, like be- because there's they're always right at your wall. There's no advancement them coming okay. towards you. Mm-hmm. But everything that you do in the game, you have, you have a tableau. You've got your commander and some hero cards in your tableau. Mm-hmm and you can buy more of those cards, but everything, there's no resource costs, everything is in time. So everything you do advances a time marker, and all of you are on a time track, whoever's the furthest back, it's their turn to go. Mm -hmm. And when you pass certain time thresholds, that's when the enemies all make their moves. So it works sort of like a cooperative puzzle, but in little chunks of time, because every time, every time you uh, get to the end of either a morning or an evening round, the enemies make their move, and some new cards flip up, so then your puzzle kind of gets scrambled up again, and you have to plan your next moves going in. Okay.
0: Kickstarter, obviously, right? Or is that
3: coming up? Uh, we will see. Oh, do Okay. It, I'm, it might be shopped around to some okay. bigger publishers, or it might be kickstarted. Uh, one, thing, one thing that I like about it, like I said, the change mm-hmm. to that d- Defenders Across Time and Space... Uh, It really works well, it's very modular. Mm -hmm. So you might have this fantasy defend the towers, but then depending who survived, you can carry them over, Mm -hmm. warp through one of the portals, end up on another planet there's a, a an alien civilization you're trying to defend so you bring in some of their troops you defend against the aliens now oh, you move you on to the next scenario yeah. you still got a few of your fantasy characters mm-hmm. alive you've got some aliens you've picked up and now you pop into this like modern horror world and you're trying to fight off against vampires and werewolves mm-hmm. you bring in some more people and and it's kind of like a smash-up style uh, mixing some of the, the different genres mm-hmm. uh, and, and getting to really play around with those different characters. Cool. I like it. I like when you have all those fearing right. options that you have instead of just like we'll do this, this
2: and way.
0: conventions. What conventions are going to be in the next future? Hopefully, Orcacon is one of them.
3: Yeah, Orcacon is definitely on the
2: list. All right, this will be
0: my Woo right. and <laughs> this is over. No, <laughs> this will be
3: my second year attending. My first time where I'm going to be showing. Um, Excellent. I because I just moved up. Uh, mm-hmm. Last September, I okay. I thought that I was going to have to miss last year, but at the last minute, I my schedule opened, mm-hmm. I got to come out. But I'll be at OrcaCon. I'll be at gen con I'll be there. I'll see you. Yeah, uh, PAX. I guess it's PAX Prime now, or mm-hmm. West. I don't know, whichever, whatever they're calling it. The PAX here in Seattle. Should be there for you. I'll be there. There's a, a couple other small ones that are still I'm still hoping to make it out to. I don't know that I'll be showing a dragonfly, okay. but I might be attending. Okay. Again, it comes down to my wife has some weekends that she would like to just spend doing things. Because while I'm on summer break, she's not. Okay. So weekends are still Fair the time that we try to spend together.
0: Yep. Well, thanks a lot for coming. Does anyone else have any questions or anything? Uh,
2: I would just say best mm-hmm. way to contact you or yeah. for
0: any of our listeners if they
2: want more information or just want to shoot you questions about anything, you know advice like you
3: said if they're like whoa you bought this awesome game what advice do you have for me what would be the best way for them to contact you uh, you can find all of my contact information I think the best place is right on my website perfect. at ccwgames.com uh, it's got like Facebook, Twitter uh, and direct email and I've had a few people reach out with questions and I'm always happy to give, to give my stories and what I've done and my thoughts on Kickstarters or anything moving forward great perfect well thanks a lot Robert thanks for coming thank thanks.
0: you thank you very much this part of the podcast is brought to you by Games and Gizmos. Games and Gizmos is your friendly local game store with a great selection and a welcoming community. Come to Games and Gizmos in Kirkland, Washington. Now back to the show.
2: Hey, that was really awesome talking with Robert Huss. Um, the fact that he put so much work into a game, and I mean, I remember when it was on Kickstarter mm-hmm. and it being successfully funded, and just I'm I'm a sucker for a horror theme. It doesn't have to be Cthulhu, but I'm kind of a sucker for a horror theme game. Any mm-hmm. Arkham game, anything around that. I just I love those. Do you like like Shadow Hunter? Have you ever played it? Sh- I've heard a lot about it, but I've not played game. it. It's
0: a fun game.
1: How does one hunt shadows? Um uh, very one carefully. One does not simply hunt <laughs> shadows. Right.
0: <laughs> very. Right. Well, what I love is interviewing these these game developers, mm-hmm. I really oh, yeah, enjoy it. I mean, they're really down-to-earth, and a lot. again, I know I've said this a million times, but it's not like they're filthy rich or anything. These are people that have actual real jobs and are doing other things like developing games because they love it, and hopefully it catches fire and they do well, but the fact that they're schlepping and trying to sell their wares, I that's really enduring. It just shows how much they love what they're doing. And the
2: fact that to get these games to be balanced mm-hmm. and fun and rules to make sense they're literally doing hundreds of playthroughs themselves not just yeah. like you know not just playtesters but themselves right. have played their game probably to the point to where they're like I'm sick of <laughs> playing my game <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, like I can't I'm imagine. done yeah. you know and so I mean there's a l- so much time that just goes into that to really make sure that they're putting out the best product for players
0: well my hat's off to them and mm-hmm. I wish you well I'm looking forward to your next uh, project and with that, speaking of game developers, developers, I rolled I rolled a one on my speech. Um, we get the Matlock Brothers. We're the Matlock
1: Brothers, makers of Congress. Yes. And uh, by the way, I'm 100% certain that if the three of us were to play this game, I would totally win this game because I have the most experience at this sort of thing. Oh, I believe yeah. you
0: do. I believe you do. Well, and the I, was, I was ASB
1: vice president well, in high
0: school. You were. I voted for you, by the
1: way. Thank you very much. I did. I did. I wish
0: you'd return the favor. Anyway, <laughs> um, one thing that's really exciting about this particular developer is they actually ha- the game hasn't come out yet. A lot of developers that we have talked to on this podcast have already kind of established themselves by having a game already out. Like uh-huh. Nick Sabicki, Alex Jurabic, when we talk to them, their game has already been financed and it's out there. But the Matlock brothers... They're just starting, so it's kind of exciting seeing it, how they And it looks it. done. Yeah. It does,
1: yeah. It's, it's great. I love the art.
0: Well, they've already they've already um, commissioned their art out,
2: they already mm-hmm. got all that done. It does, you're absolutely right, Paul, it looks like a completed product. Mm-hmm. So if they put that, depending on how they do it, if they crowdfund it, like Kickstarter, right. um, those are the pages, the Kickstarters I look at is if you have at least some of the art in it put together, that's the one I'll take the time to look through, so I'm really excited for them.
0: It wouldn't surprise me if they showed up at uh, Dragonflight and OrcaCon, just trying to Trying to get their game out there, play test it. What's amazing is like they haven't they haven't put on Kickstarter yet. They're talking about maybe doing that um, in the future, but not quite yet because they just they want to get this game right. Yeah, and yep. I like the fact totally. that they're taking their time with this.
1: And the moment that this is available for me to throw money at, I will be doing that. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. maybe we can get them to sign it. Oh yeah, and they'll be famous, and we'll get the name drop. Yes, are they going to write the Matlock Bros? They could. They make we it. Could. The or maybe, maybe just David and fireball. Michael so they're the next Parker Brothers. Oh, oh that'd be kinda cool. That would I be cool. It. Well, you know what? It. Let's find out what they have to say. Hey geeks, I'm here with some baby game developers. <laughs> uh, usually we have folks that come in here and they've already developed the game, but I thought it'd be interesting to get someone who is just coming in on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. So Introduce yourselves. Yeah, hi. I'm David Matlock. <laughs> I'm Michael Matlock. Yeah, we're brothers.
4: If you couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, matching beards. I say you can't Indeed, see that. Yeah. And what's the name of your company? Uh, so our company is called Weather Gauge Workshop. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, we've we've kind of existed as a thing for about a year and a half now, maybe okay. almost two years.
0: And this is the first game that you plan on publishing. Is that correct? Indeed. Yes. All right. Well. The story here is we ran into you guys at uh, Etx, and you guys were in the corner yeah. for people to <laughs> check out your stuff. And, and and I, and Paul and I were both there. I found it very fascinating. It's called Congress, the board game, and it's exactly that, right? I mean, yeah. Talk to us how uh, how it came about, and talk to us about your game. Yeah. So.
4: The history of this, it really incepted itself, if that's a word, um, at a game jam we randomly decided to go to, just hanging out, and uh, uh, this, like a very, very early version of this was kind of the game idea we came up with, and um, we kind of shelved it for a little bit, and then came back together, I want to say, in the fall of 2015, right, as like primaries were starting to ramp up, mm-hmm. and we were like, you know that idea we had? We should really just run mm-hmm. with that and see what mm-hmm. happens. Um, it's... it's Part of it is just because we—I know for me personally—I was just starting to really get interested in politics, mm-hmm. and we all kind of love the political theater of it all and the dysfunction. It's so it's very much a um, like a parody type game yeah. or a um, like it's 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 about the the um, the f- the fun of like the wheeling and dealing and the negotiating and the kind of grandstanding, and we, we love like social uh, games, social mm-hmm. negotiation and diplomacy games, and so it's one of those types of games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just kind of rolled with it and decided to see where it went.
2: Nice. And within this game, um, what are, would you say, are the core mechanics um, that you use in there is there an actual like um, is there any social deduction aspects to it or is it just so what's some of the yeah the main game mechanics?
4: Yeah, there's a little bit of social deduction. It's there's a, actually straight up a voting mechanic um, and uh, mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, definitely <laughs> it'd be hard to avoid that in a Congress setting. Um, and so a lot of the core mechanics come down to negotiation, wheeling mm-hmm. and dealing, um, and then the social deduction comes down to kind of trying to figure out what other people's motivations are, and, and what they're trying to accomplish in a given time. Um, players actually have like agendas and mm-hmm. interests that they're supposed to promote during the course of the game, which helps them earn money and earn points to win the game. But they also have a hidden agenda, which is no one else knows, and they get extra points for promoting right. that as well. So it's kind of like trying to guess, what what are you, what are you getting out of this bill?
0: Why are mm-hmm. you voting for it? It doesn't look like it's good for and you. You start out, obviously you start off as a member, as a senator. Yeah, and so is this some randomly? Just random card, or do you you choose, or we've uh, been going with
4: random draft. for now. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, just a draft, and uh, that's how you get your senator. You also get mm-hmm.
0: a state and a hidden agenda. Those are dealt to you randomly. So you could be Green Party in uh, Montana or Wyoming. Y- That'd be wild. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, a, that's a one-term senator, That sounds like to me. But. Definitely. Well, at
4: the start of the game, you're matched up with a state. So if there's blue and red senators and blue uh-huh. and red states. So you start matched up. Okay. But over the course of the game, there's three midterm elections you have to pass. Uh-huh. And if X-Y. you fail, you can get matched up incorrectly, which um, causes you some problems because it limits you from using abilities and things.
2: Nice. I got to say... Mm-hmm. Um, Right off the bat, and I'm just I'm just going through the uh, senator cards. I love I love the level of diversity okay. that I'm seeing just in here. I mean, right off the bat, it's it just looks like you know people from various cultures. Also, I like the fact that because sometimes you look at games and you're like oh, this is like a way over-the-top example of what an African-American person would be, or this is a way over-the-top... You know, like, you're like, obviously African-American, obviously Indian. I like how, looking at these, you're also like, oh, it's kind of ambiguous. Like, you can just tell that um, there's another ethnicity there, but and I like that, and it's just been really good to see that level of diversity i mean i'm seeing just as many um female senators as male in this game and i think that's awesome right off the yeah. bat is that's awesome
5: important i actually went through at one point to double check that to make sure because when we first made the characters we <clears throat> didn't think about that we were just trying to get the game done yeah and yeah i, I went that. through and i was like so a did bunch of you we, white guys with beards did we, did we, did we screw <laughs> this up did we mess up and i looked it's right. like it actually is like male to female uh, it is even yeah. perfect we split I was like oh yeah. that's good we, awesome we, we nailed that you know, in, in
4: my very first prototype I specifically was like I'm just going to do
3: half and half oh cool and yeah. then from there uh, gonna...
0: Yeah. that's looks, cool looks like each card has like a special like, we'll call it power of some kind yeah. mm. that's, that's pretty cool so back to the game <laughs> Your senator go what happens next Yeah, I'll try to summarize
4: it as fast as possible. Essentially, your goal is you're all vying for the presidential nomination and ultimately the presidency, right? Mm -hmm. So you're all trying to get the most nomination points, which is how you win the game. Uh, You get points mostly by sponsoring bills and convincing people to vote for them. There are other ways you can wheel and deal and get points as well. Um, And you're balancing that need to get the most points against the need to not get elected out of office because if you lose an election, you lose points. So... um, On the board, there are uh, five opposing pairs of interests, so like arts versus athletics or labor Mm -hmm. versus corporations. And different players, based on the state that they're assigned, have different interests they're trying to promote on this track. Uh, When bills pass that match those interests, the track moves towards a bad interest. Um, And so you're going to be fighting other players over control, essentially, of these things on the track. Um, And then three times during the game, there's a midterm election. Wherever the, the trackers are on that track, players receive money. So if, sure. if globalization is maxed out, any player with globalization earns six million dollars. Um, mm-hmm. And the money, the primary uh, use for the money, is to pass elections, campaign funds. Right. Um, and the way that campaign, uh, the, the elections work right now is there's uh, at the beginning of each uh, term. So there's three terms per game. You roll one die uh, and it shows a number, uh, and you know you have to spend at least that much. That's the number amount. And then every player, when it comes to their turn on the election, they roll a second die, Mm -hmm. which adds to that. So you kind of um, have half the information. You know, you need like at least three million, right? Right. You roll the three, but you don't know for sure. Oh, how much more do I have to raise? So you're kind of fighting to make sure you get enough money. But the money is also used for bribing, using powers, Mm -hmm. other things. So you kind of have to weigh uh, weigh all of the things. There's so many options that you can take advantage of to try and get your way. You can bribe people. There's literally a mechanic you just put money down on a bill and say right. hey vote for this <laughs> and you get money uh, you can use your powers so what, um, what's this pig I see this, this I love it pork right yes uh, sample uh, uh, project you, you got <laughs> it um, we, we decided um, that's actually one of the things from the very first mm-hmm. prototype it was essentially just um, hey players play bills every time you add riders to a bill because you get to add rider cards It Mm. moves the pork value up. (laughs) Okay. And there's a limit to how much every bill can hold. So if it gets too high, you can actually kill the bill just by throwing stuff down on it. So the speaker, who's the one Mm. trying to get people to pass the bill, has to weigh that. Like, oh, no, it's getting kind of... I want more on this bill, but if it gets any more pork on it, it might get killed. So they have to think about that.
2: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This art. And th- is this art pretty solid right now or is this still prototype very much so this is the real deal art okay. uh, that we
5: we have an artist from I think she lives in Virginia now she used to live around here uh, so we contacted her we we know her from way back when Rachel Ohm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. and so we just said hey uh, we we know you're a good artist mm-hmm. we remember some stuff we've seen do you want to do a board game and she's actually Told us that's on my bucket list. Oh wow! So we okay. said that oh, we're, we're going to do this. That's awesome. Because awesome.
0: yeah, art is probably one of the most expensive things when you do game development, and if you have a friend or something that helps you out yeah. and okay. reduce the cost, that's huge. Indeed. We
4: yeah, cool. were
2: really fortunate, and we're really happy with art. Yeah. it's um, still good. Um, I'm looking at the hidden agenda card. I was just laughing a little, <sighs> little earlier. Um, so I know listeners. I know you can't hear this, but on the hidden agenda card, well, they can hear it. They just it's, can't see it. They can't hear <laughs> Uh, maybe I need some more coffee or yeah. should have had that many tacos. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's kind of just this this lady, like, sneakily holding, like, little Manoa envelope in her arm. And, the, I mean, the art is just amazing. I love it. I think it's just really great. And, and the only reason I asked if it was prototype art is because it's kind of hard to believe that, you know, you guys haven't even published or gone online and kickstarted and, and it already looks oh, so... Yeah. Done. Like, it looks amazing. When I was at
1: ETX, I really thought you guys were done, like, in stores and stuff. This looks great. And I love the the action cards, especially the scandal cards, (laughs) Um, like um, Secret Lover or Foreign Ties, and you play those on your opponents to um, inhibit their abilities, which is very cool.
4: Yeah. Yeah. We we wanted to, like, play with all of the... Again, I used the term Mm -hmm. political theater earlier, because I feel like a lot of people... Maybe aren't invested in politics themselves, but they kind of like watching politics unfold, almost like a drama or a sports. Politics yes. bore me, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we kind of wanted to capture that feel, you know. Right. We didn't want to like this isn't a like one to one. Like this is mm-hmm. how politics work. We wanted to give players the opportunity to kind of
0: get to play mm-hmm. those characters, you know. So I want to I want to switch. We kind of got the uh, how the game is going, which is very interesting. Let's talk about your guys's journey to try to get this thing published. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. so you got together. <laughs> this is deep. Had a couple of beers. You went, hey, I got a game idea called Congress the Board Game. You set some rules down on paper. So, what came next after that?
4: So, um, at the time, we decided let's let's do this game. Literally, we were we were hanging out on Thanksgiving Day, and we were like, we had this idea, and let's just. Throw together some cards. I took some mm-hmm. playing cards and drew on them, uh, and we just tested out like the base, base idea, and we liked it. So I actually took the next couple days. I chunked out a prototype as fast as I could, mm-hmm. just kind of tested it on my own. Really liked it, and so we just. Um, it's been a process of just.
0: So when did you bring your brother in? in
5: a... um, well, near the beginning. In the beginning, yeah, we're all part of the same team but david is the brainchild the guy that okay. <laughs> originally made it uh Who's i he? came in like with balancing stuff and
4: and you're the, are it. you the older brother or younger
0: brother i'm older you're yeah. older yeah. yeah so okay are you using that are you pulling rank on him <laughs> no? okay. all the time <laughs> all right yeah <laughs>
5: um older and wiser
0: So, a wedgie if the mechanics don't work on the game. Definitely. So, our our team has really
4: been me and my brother, and then our friend Alex, who isn't here today, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the three of us have been working on this uh, since, I guess it was about the fall of 2015 that we started working on it. And it's been a process of like spurts of progress and then shelved for a couple months, and then progress and then shelved. Because we're all, you know, we're living life, working jobs, and doing what we have to do. So, um,. If like, I, I believe I had that first prototype done in about a week, and mm-hmm. we left the idea, we kept playing with it, did a lot of rebalancing, and it's, that's been the, the cycle, is chunk out a new version of a prototype, mm-hmm. test it as much as possible, and then decide to move forward with a so new it, prototype.
0: When you, when you did the first prototype, it was like, what, three by five cards? and.
4: Uh, yeah, I actually, I think at the <laughs> time I had some blank cards that I had right. got off of like, Game Crafter or something, okay. and so I just drew on those. And, right. It was all hand-drawn, just Mm -hmm. like I wrote it all out, killed my wrist, ran all the cards. But yeah, the the initial version of the game was very bare-bones,
0: very, you know... And then you guys at some point decided, all right, we're through kind of testing. Now we need to actually create a professional-looking game. Mm -hmm. How did you do that? Where did you go to do that? Mm -hmm. And... uh, you don't have to talk about how much money you spent, but obviously this is uh, your own money. I mean, mm-hmm. people need to realize if you're going to do game development, you're going to put some skin in the game, and I'm sure you guys did that. For so sure. So yeah, can talk
5: about that? Sure. Um, with the, the the project, I guess, there were times when we would try contacting people, but I feel like our latest push started at the beginning of this year, uh, so January-ish, when we were like, all right, let's see if we can make this a reality. Mm-hmm. And we'll push forward with whatever we know how to do. So we know we have all of the game mechanics made, so we need some kind of prototype. So we went to Game Crafter, and there's other places like that. So we need to have something that looks professional, mm-hmm. and then we need to have professional art. So that was our first step, was like, mm-hmm. let's make sure all the pieces are there. Yeah. And then... Well, actually, jumping back before that, the reason well, sure, we decided exactly. to go
4: with this type of prototype, with professional art, mm-hmm. uh, was because initially our thought was, let's see if we can pitch the game to publishers. We don't know what we're doing, we have no idea right. how to manufacture, let's just go the old route of emailing publishers, trying to meet publishers, and so um, that at that point, we just had like a really basic version of the game. Didn't, so, didn't really work, you got... Did, mm-hmm. did you actually sit down with any, or... Um, not directly. I, b- I believe we had like some people say, "Oh, I know somebody at this publisher. You should email right. them and things like that." And we tried that and
0: went to their homes, got restraining orders, <laughs> <laughs> something like that.
4: I believe we actually got responses from all the publishers we emailed. But uh, on the one hand, I got a response from mm. from one company like two days later. I got one like five months later from mm. a different company. So it's kind of like mm, yeah. you have to know that publishers aren't going to just immediately respond if sure, you email no. them. Um, and so at that point, we thought to ourselves like. Okay, we might, you know, maybe we'll land a deal with somebody somehow, mm-hmm. but we're going to plan on having to do it ourselves. Okay. And um, so... That's the best
0: revenge, man. Definitely.
4: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as far as doing the mm-hmm. final art, um, we were looking into car- crowdfunding options, and mm-hmm. especially Kickstarter, which may be the way we end up doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, for, in our research, we noticed that the games that were getting funded were the ones that looked the most complete. Mm-hmm. The okay. ones that had complete yeah. art. That'd so... So we didn't want to um, just be like, here's our game with like, not very well-drawn, like, hand-drawn cards. It's a great idea, guys. Give mm-hmm. us money. Uh, yeah. We decided we really would have to invest up front before we even come to the point of asking for money. Right. And so it has been expensive, but we're really happy with the product now, and we know mm-hmm. that if we were to put this on Kickstarter, at least people would be like, this looks professional. This looks like a good
0: right. game. Either one of you married or have family? No. <laughs> no? Okay, so you didn't have to go through, hey, honey, I'm going to put our <laughs> kids' college fund in this. Is that like, okay? You didn't have to yeah. worry about that at we didn't all. didn't have That's to we're, okay. both
5: single, yeah. we're both single. We're both. We're
1: putting in our own money. What are you doing in the basement for so long? It's more. <laughs> more yeah,
5: it's more worrying what our parents think about our life choices. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. They're very supportive.
0: Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the. You've got everything now, and. Um, where are you at in the process? Mm-hmm. Um,
4: but like I said, we're looking to crowdfund in the future. We're still kind of nailing down our actual production pipeline, figuring out, um, like, okay, who is the manufacturer? Ultimately, we'd be going through, are we going to be trying to go through a couple? So that's where we're at in the production process. In the meantime, we just want to get as many people seeing the game, hearing about the game, and trying the game. So... Um, we're trying to go to as many conventions in the area as we can. We were at ETX earlier. Mm-hmm. We're going to be going to Dragonflight uh, coming up at the end of the summer. Perhaps
0: OrcaCon as well? Yeah. Indeed. Mm, right. so we are
4: definitely thinking about OrcaCon as well and right. any other game conventions we can think of. And um, We'll be trying to demo the game, let people try mm-hmm. it. Um, we actually are uh, putting together a Facebook playtesting group for anybody who's interested in trying it out, I think it's just called Weather Gauge Workshop Playtesting Group. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the idea is that we're going to be trying to go to like game stores, maybe even hosting at our houses and things like mm-hmm. that, and just say, hey, we're going to be here this day. You want to try the game? Show up. We'll be there. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And we'll just kind of see how it goes. Because um, we we feel pretty confident with the game as it is, but there's always more testing to do, yeah. always okay. more balancing to do. Right. So, um, so we just want to get as many people trying the game and playing the game as possible. In the meantime, so that when we do come to a point of crowdfunding mm-hmm. uh, and like launching a Kickstarter, we have a, a group of people who are interested in the game who we can tell, hey, we're launching the Kickstarter this day, and then that way we'll already have, um, you know. We won't just be coming out of
0: nowhere. Well, we're, we're looking forward to that.
1: Um, I would totally kickstart this. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> that's good. There You've got get, one. you got a First backer, call. So does
0: anyone have anything else? Any other questions?
1: Well, if people want to check you out, there's your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. We have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Website.
4: And a website. The website is weathergaugeworkshop.com. Okay. The Facebook um, is just Weather Gauge Workshop. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, but the primary way to stay updated is um, we do, like, weekly updates on our website, and then our mm-hmm. Facebook is probably the best way to communicate with us. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's basically. Well, what we it.
0: ask here at Geeks of Cascadia is when you make it big, <laughs> please remember us and yeah. come back on our podcast. Definitely, oh, right. and we'll yeah. have more to say. Yeah. Thank you. That would be All awesome. Right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now, back to our show.
1: Boy, those guys were fun to talk to. Mm -hmm. And what a great-looking game. Again, uh, still, I'm ready to buy this game.
0: I'm just waiting for him to put them on um, Kickstarter.
1: Sure, if that's their direction.
0: Well, yeah, that's true. I think they were talking. I think they want to get a publisher to pick it up first, but yeah. uh, you know who
1: knows. However, they go, I'm buying. It's it.
0: a possibility, but yeah, I mean, if if it hits shelf, I mean, yeah, I'm
2: sure it's going to go right into your backpack legally,
1: right? Yes, <laughs> legally.
0: Yes. Well, I wish them all the luck in the yeah. world. Totally. And I gosh, I I tell you what, since we've done this podcast, it's been great. I mean, how many. Game developers have we talked to. Oh, I have no idea. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. A lot. I mean it's just pretty cool. I get to name drop.
2: And you know what's kinda cool is I really see game developers in the same vein as um, authors is you can say, What's your process? Oh, I do it I do A, B, and C. Okay, cool. Then we go listen to another one and they're like, Oh, I do C, B, and A. Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. and someone's also like, I'd be do B, A, and D. Mm -hmm. You're like, wait, what? You know, yeah. and it's it's, and I think that's that creativity thing is is you know some kind of some people come up with the theme first, mm-hmm. then mechanics, and then right. you know they get into components, or some people do mechanics and then theme, and so it's really cool to hear all these different ways that just that imagination is. Nobody goes running. on the same path,
0: yeah. Yeah. developing these games, you know, except for the fact they most of them work really hard to get okay. to where they need yeah. to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've only met one that kind of lucked out and fell into
1: it, but that's pretty rare. Very rare. That is really rare. And if you want to meet game developers, great places to do that are game conventions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Such as OrcaCon. Yes, such as OrcaCon. Get your badge, mm-hmm. get your room. We really need volunteers. Yeah. Please check out our website, orcacon.org. And I'm um, looking to volunteering. It's really fun. Right. We're totally chill. We love everybody.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And oh, go ahead.
2: Yeah, and if you have any questions, mm-hmm. um, any general broad questions, you can always email at info at orcacon dot org. Mm-hmm. And if you have any questions specifically about volunteering, you can email volunteering or volunteer at orcacon dot org.
0: And if you want to just talk to us, yes email us at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com mm-hmm. obviously we, I think we talked about the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Facebooks of mm-hmm.
2: course and then what would be great is we now that we have our RSS feed all established and we're really just getting the podcast out there we would love to get our ratings up um, or yes. let me rephrase that we would love to get ratings and so go on <laughs> how about
0: a rating
2: a rating a, rating. a rate I,
0: I reviewed us that's sure. that's one three stars you
2: only gave us three (laughs) stars out of ten (laughs) I gave us
0: five stars on Facebook by the way you can rate people on Facebook too please do that I rated you on Facebook yeah go
2: out there and rate us um, you know write a review and I mean obviously we do joke about like hey five stars and everything we do want honest reviews but of course the the five stars really do help and everything like that but go give us some honest feedback we will take that and try to make the show the best we can
0: though it's i would be fine with you gave us five stars and you said this was the suckiest podcast yes, ever that, but yeah. because you asked me to put in five stars uh, i gave you five stars exactly what a I think spice I'm do that
2: five stars yes
0: <laughs> well guys i think that uh completes that this episode so i think with that embrace the nerd and i hope you make that saving throw Podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. Geeky, goofy outtakes.
1: Looking at my monster manual we for Dungeons po- and Dragons. We have a, we have a podcast You're looking at the oh, monster Well, I'm, I'm busy. I got owlbears here I got to read about. Well, that's an otoig. An Otog is that the way to say there's that. There's also something called a Neo Otog. A Neo right. is oh, that the one that is um, in charge of the Matrix? But well, what's
0: more right. important they, is the fact that we have a podcast we got to do. So. Okay,
1: I guess I'll stop reading about the. Oh Zelma wow! There's, there's there. even
0: Neo's in there as well.